Everybody here today in Ohio wishes you a happy Thanksgiving. This is our last episode before the holiday. We will return the Monday after Thanksgiving. Enjoy the feasting. Enjoy your time with your family. But first, we have news to talk about on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Laura Johnston, Lisa Garvin, and Courtney Astolfi. Let's get going. Just in time for the feasting on Thursday, a poll is out about what Americans want to talk about and what they don't. Some good perspective for the dental taper here, Lisa. What does the poll from Quinnipiac tell us about our polarization? It's pretty polarizing. Uh, They did a survey November 9th through the 13th of 1,574 registered voters, and they found that Thanksgiving is perhaps not the best time to discuss politics or find common ground with family members who are on opposite ends of the spectrum. They say that 60% of people surveyed wanted to avoid the topic of politics entirely, uh, but they did do some demographic breakdowns. So more likely to discuss politics, Republicans. 32% of Republicans look forward to discussing politics at the dinner table, only 29% of Democrats and 27% of independents. And then um, almost 60%, 59% say the political climate in the United States hasn't changed how they feel about discussing politics. Uh, But 30% say they're less eager to discuss politics. 9% said they wanted to talk more about it. If you had a college degree, 38% of you want to talk about politics, whereas only 23% without a college degree want to discuss it. And when they asked a separate question on what's to blame for the current polarization in our country, 35% said it was social media, but it was was particularly uh, people from 18 to 34, uh, Republicans and, and, and Republicans. Now, those who said politicians are to blame, 32% especially Democrats, women, and people with a college degree. 28% blamed cable TV news. 1% blamed other countries. And polling analyst Tim Malloy says a healthy dose of zip it will be on the Thanksgiving menu. People want to talk turkey and not politics. It is interesting that the biased national television media have so turned us upside down because they become echo chambers of nonsense. They peddle falsehoods. And yet, large numbers of people watch it then go on social media and parrot it. So that turns into a, a mess, you know, and now we've got Elon Musk running Twitter and Mm. a greater lunatic there's never been. So we're at this position where we're fed nonstop polarizing information from people who profit from hate. And then people go into the echo chambers of social media to continue it. I have no interest in talking about politics this holiday. Does anybody on this podcast want to get with their family and talk about this, this kind of material? I don't Well, my family's all on the same page, so. And (laughs) I have not talked politics with my parents since Trump was elected. Yeah, that was the turning point (laughs) for us, too. Not happening. I just feel there's so much. uh, Government, yes. Stuff about the state house, but. Not national politics. But there's so much else in life that's wonderful and beautiful. And when you get together for these rare moments with your family, wouldn't you rather talk about that? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. I think so. I Actually, I think it'd be helpful to like come up with a topic everybody wants to talk about. Because otherwise you end up like talking about like Aunt Sue's 
recent trip or whatever. Like it would be nice to have something people like to engage in. I actually did look up like tips to talk to your family on Thanksgiving for the wake up newsletter. And it, it said to like focus on the positive and on family traditions. So maybe there's something you guys have all done in the past that would be fun to reminisce about. You know what we could do Thursday morning? We could put a post on our, on our homepage that has links to all of our Kindland stories so that people can see all these wonderful things others are doing and get a nice shine before they start the day. I'll be calling Pichicarian after this. <laughs> One way to get past the polarization is getting past the gerrymandering that has loaded our state legislature with people who care much more about their parties than they do their neighbors or the people they represent. Are we finally, after some major fits and starts, heading down a path that might rid us of our unbalanced lawmakers. And I use unbalanced because it has a double meaning. Laura? <laughs> well, I hope there's nothing wrong with the language this time around, because this is, I think, the third time, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Ohio Ballot Board, which is led by Ohio, uh, Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, they voted unanimously on Monday to push this forward, this proposal. This is after organizers restarted the process because of a typographical error in the summary of the petition. Nothing wrong with the petition itself, but it had the wrong date on the summary. And so there was a little bit of worry the last time around that the board could have split this proposal into multiple issues, which required hundreds of thousands of signatures on each one. But they did the right thing. They kept it together. And so now Citizens Not Politicians, which is the group backing the amendment, can begin the process of collecting more than 400,000 signatures. They have to get them from 44 of 88 Ohio counties before a July deadline. They'll get it on next November's ballot. And remember, if issue one had passed in August, they would have had to get it from every county. And they've, they've got plenty of time. So even though they yes. lost whatever it was the past three weeks, uh, they, they have lots of time. This isn't the time of the year, I think, when a lot of people are out gathering signatures for petitions because everybody's... No, well, though, lots of people going to grocery stores, it'd be a good time to stand at the, the front door there. But yeah, not a time you want to be hanging out outside in the cold and wind and rain. So... This would replace a seven-member panel of elected officials, which we've talked about at length on this podcast, about all the sleazy things they've done. This would replace them with a 15-member Ohio Citizens Redistricting Commission, equally Democrats, Republicans, unaffiliate voters, and no current or recent past politicians, just regular people. Well, we should remind everybody, the, the elected politicians, the... House Speaker, the Senate President, the Governor, the Auditor, they were all on this constitutionally created commission that was tasking them to come mm -hmm. up with constitutional maps. They absolutely refused to do so. They took an oath to uphold our Constitution and then completely defied it in the face of Supreme Court rulings. So we thought we fixed this right. system because we relied on our elected officials to do their jobs. They refused to, and there was no consequence, which boggles the mind. If you don't do your job, I don't do my job, serious consequences. But when you don't do the job the voters task you with, I guess there's nothing to be done. This will get rid of them. Well, except to... Yeah, exactly. If you can't do the job we set to set out to do, we're just going to have to replace you and take you out of the equation altogether. And the people in power are already trying to say this is a bad idea because they're trying to hold on to this ridiculous, unbalanced level of power. I don't think it'll work just like nothing else they tried this year worked when it came to the voters. You're listening to Today in Ohio. 
A Democratic legislator from South Euclid is in a lot more hot water than we thought when we discussed his belligerence last week. A report obtained by State House writer Jeremy Pelzer paints a disturbing picture of the lawmaker, one that frankly reveals some evidence of serious mental health issues. Courtney, what's the report about? Yeah, this is regarding Elliot Forehand's behavior, and he's been stripped of his state house badge access now, his legislative aid. He's facing calls to resign. And meanwhile, Democrats have provided security detail for a fellow representative, Juanita Brent of Cleveland, after Forehand was posting videos about her. So his his actions over the past several months have clearly raise some alarm bells for for folks down in the state house. Like you said, this democratic memo from the House Democrats lays out all these, you know, erratic behaviors. It recounts incidents back as far as May when when Forehand was, you know, supposedly involved in a fiery tirade with a constituent. The constituent was telling him why they opposed a bill he had co-sponsored and he, he launched into this tirade apparently. Another incident was around the same time when, according to State Senator Kent Smith of Euclid and Cuyahoga County's Democratic Party Chair David Brock, Forehand resorted to screaming, vulgarity, and threats if he was challenged or merely coached on an issue. In June, he showed up at Representative Juanita Brent's home, supposedly to get help responding to a constituent. He talked about that interaction with the constituent later he said it was like a setup and apparently, you know, folks were out to get him in this setup. You know, just a, a lot of different details here. Staff said he called all hours of the night with nonsensical requests. An intern heard him making, you know, loud, intimate, almost sexual phone calls on, on speakerphone while he had his office door open. So a whole host of behaviors here. This is one of those kind of tragic stories. He's clearly not fit right now to hold office, but you really wish the people in his life would help him get whatever help he needs. This is not normal behavior. It's a sign that, that he's having some troubles uh, and they're reacting correctly. The Democrats are taking care of business to remove him from positions where he can continue this kind of reign of terror. Yeah, and, and something I found interesting in this memo that Jeremy obtained was Forehand's behavior since October 7th, when the Hamas terror attack on Israel happened, launching the war. You know, in this memo, they describe how Forehand, quote, became preoccupied with using his office to call Israel's response to this a war crime. And he wanted to, you know, make a personal appeal to the Israeli prime minister to stop Israel's military response, according to the memo. And and it also details an incident where he, he called a representative for the Ohio Jewish Communities Group 19 times in a row when this person called Forehand back. Forehand yelled at the representative, I, I need you, I need to hear you effing say it. He said, Palestinians are not people. So you're seeing this behavior kind of amp up in recent weeks. And then when he was coached on this by House Democrats, um, he apparently threatened to kill himself and then immediately shifted his tone and, and said he'd start wearing an I Love Israel t-shirt everywhere and go knock on doors in Beechwood in his district, which is home to Ohio's, I believe, largest Jewish community. So erratic behavior tied up in this Israel-Palestine conversation as well. 
at this point, really, the best thing he could do is resign and go seek the help that he obviously needs. It seems like the Democrats will work to hasten that before this gets much deeper. You're listening to Today in Ohio. This is one of those crime stories where you wonder how much money the guy would have made if he were in legitimate business instead of drugs. He certainly knew how to build a drug business. Lisa, how much time will a North Royalton man spend in prison for his very successful three-year spree as a drug king? 45-year-old Mark Mahoney is going to federal prison for 14 years for running a $20 million drug ring. He will also forfeit $2.4 million that was seized by the feds and three properties that he bought with drug money in Maple Heights and Conneaut. So Mahoney, he worked at a recycling plant for 15 years, but then he took too much time off to care for his daughter and he got fired. So a friend hooked him up with some drug dealers to make some quick cash. Well, Mahoney took to it like a duck to water. He sold about 1,350 pounds of cocaine in the Cleveland area from 2019 to 2022 when he was arrested. He would buy the drugs from Mexico and then sell them to street-level dealers, six of whom have been charged. And they would sell kind of in the open. They were selling in parking lots in in a Parma bowling alley, a Cleveland liquor store, and a Maple Heights shopping center. And he stored his drugs and his cash in microwave ovens that he kept at a self-storage unit at Carnegie and East 60th Street. And he laundered this money, some of the drug money, with the purchase of two homes in Conneaut. They faked the title transfers to hide the real amount paid. He actually paid $360,000 in cash, but it was only valued at $110,000. And the seller, Ruben Schwartz, has been charged separately. I I was stunned at how much he could make so quickly and all of the associated problems you get. I mean, he he described how people had robbed his house of hundreds Mm -hmm. of thousands of dollars and the, the, the stress that goes along with that. I mean, you can be killed for that kind of money and for that kind of drugs and the huge deals they were making in parking lots and, and the amount of drugs the feds found. It's just all, all overnight, lost his job, decided I need money and becomes a kingpin almost overnight. Yeah, it's doesn't it sound like a cable series? It sounds like Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an amazing story, and that, and of course, you know, he was doing this. He said to support his family, and now he's going to be gone for years and will not be able to support them. Uh, just a kind of a surprising turn for somebody who didn't really have a history. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Recent news about Ohio's workforce has been negative in that we fare poorly in national comparisons about the number of people working or looking for work. But actually, Laura, that's the wrong way to look at it, it turns out. How? We are not so bad. We're better than our peers in terms of the labor force. So this is a report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. And uh, they've got a bunch of states in their jurisdiction, including Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and West Virginia, We all lag behind the national average, but hey, Ohio is doing better than a lot of its peers. So not Pennsylvania, but um, Ohio's rate was 63.1%. Oh, actually, sorry. We are better than Pennsylvania. We're at 63.1. Nation's average is 63.5. Pennsylvania is at 62.8. West Virginia, 52.8. And Kentucky, 59.9. So I guess we're doing pretty well comparatively. And the thing is, each tenth of a percentage point translates to thousands of more people in the labor force making money, paying taxes. So you want as many people who want to work as possible. Yeah, I just was surprised that the just with a slightly different prism, 
that you can turn what's really looks like bad news into actually very good news. Yeah. And they look at the demographics of the state. So the, all of four of these states in the Cleveland Fed area have older populations. And so you think fewer people would be working. So actually, compared to our demographics, we're doing about 1.2 percentage points better than you would expect. Yeah, it's, That's 112,000 people. That really adds up. Yeah. It's a good news story. You're listening. To- and then, oh, of ahead. course... I just want to say that Sean talked to Steve Stivers from the Ohio Chamber of Commerce about what else we could do to get more people in the workforce. And one re- thing we could do is help out with child care. Just there's my plug. <laughs> You're listening to Today in Ohio. Okay, this is our last episode before Thanksgiving kicks off the year-end holiday period, so let's spend some time on the holidays. But first, if you're not happy about heading into the cold, dark days of winter, we have something to look forward to after the winter ends. What was the air show news on Monday, Courtney? Well, the Blue Angels will be back this year. And this definitely has me thinking of warmer days. I'm already gearing up for next summer with this on the mind. But, you know, it's worth noting that at the air show, you know, it rotates through kind of what some of the big headliner acts are. In this past year, we had the Air Force's Thunderbirds in town. They sure were a sight to behold. But it's exciting also to know that the Navy's Blue Angels are set to make their return for the 2024 air show. Cleveland was chosen as one of 30 cities in the U.S. that'll host the Blue Angels in 2024. So it makes sense that it'll be in, in this setting. You know, six demonstration pilots are going to be entertaining fans at the air show. And it'll be a one-hour choreographed event of them pulling all those crazy tricks in the sky. And and like in previous years, we know there will be a lot of eyes on the Blue Angels. There's usually an audience of sixty to 100,000 folks who, who come and check them out. I think we had perfect weather for last year, which they kind of count on. Usually those weekends in early September are very pretty around here. So something to look forward to at the end of the cold, dark winter. Although Laura looks forward to the cold, dark winter because she likes to ski. You're listening to Today in Ohio. All right, Lisa, leave it to the scientists to offer sobering thoughts before we sit down to enjoy all of our Thanksgiving food. Reporter Mark Bona talked to a couple of experts about strategies we might use to avoid the results of holiday gluttony. What are they and do we really need to follow them? Well, that, that's up to you and your stomach. So, uh, yeah, Mark Bona talked to April Thompson, who's a Cleveland chef and an author, and a Los Angeles dietitian, Kim Shapira. So they had a few tips. They say, you know, and a lot of people do this, you know, they'll starve like the day before so they can gorge on Thanksgiving Day. They say that's absolutely not good. You should treat Thanksgiving dinner like any other day because the body likes consistency as far as diet is concerned. They said eat small, frequent meals when you're hungry. Don't undereat because it puts the body in famine mode and don't eat if you're not hungry, although it takes about 20 minutes for your stomach to signal your brain that it's full. Portion control. They couldn't say enough about this. Take a normal portion cut it in half, and wait 15 minutes to see if you're still hungry. You can also eat several small portions and just pace yourself. It's really all about controlling your portions. Um, They were talking also about healthier appetizers. Instead of having candy dishes out with sweets and everything, think about air-popped popcorn or raw nuts. Uh, This was interesting. Um, One of them said that they keep a water pitcher handy in their kitchen with a really pretty glass. And when they feel like they're hungry, they take a drink of water and it helps. They also talked about planning activities. Don't just veg out in front of the TV after, after you eat, play some outdoor games or take a 
post-dinner walk and um, just don't spend the day just sitting around and eating, which is probably what most of us do. They also said, avoid the scale. Give yourself a little bit of grace uh, for eating extra or not eating so great. You shouldn't have any shame in your game and you can get right back to your healthy eating habits the very next day. Also things about healthy cooking. They said, and I'm never, I'm not going to do any of these. They say avoid dark meat, fried turkeys, and butter injection of turkeys. <laughs> you know, it, what this is basically is don't have any fun on the holiday. The holiday you look forward to all this time. Don't do it. Don't eat a lot of the good food. Behave yourself. And I just don't know if that's great advice. I think people look forward to this. Laura, Courtney, you planning to do any of these things? I like the recommendation that you give yourself some grace. I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One piece of advice out of this that we think is good advice. You're listening to Today in Ohio. With the holiday coming, travel actually starts today. It's supposed to be a big year for it. And Susan Glazer has an alarming story published today about what you should be thinking if you're getting on the road like much of America will be. Laura, what does it say? Well, Wednesday is the worst day to travel. So that's when most people are traveling because school and a lot of businesses are open today. And then tomorrow it's kind of a free for all. So if you're driving, if you're flying, leave yourself plenty of time, pack your patience and know that there's going to be crowds. The uh, AAA is projecting 55.4 million travelers on the roads heading 50 miles or more from home over the Thanksgiving travel period. That's the third highest since they started tracking holiday travel in 2000, uh, 2005 and 2019 had more. In Cleveland, Hopkins International Airport, they're expecting 150,000 travelers through Hopkins International Airport from Wednesday through Sunday. That's 18% higher than last year, 8% more than 2019 before COVID disrupted this entire travel uh, industry. So expect it. I'm going to pass along a Chris, Chris Quinn tip for anyone who's driving. And that's that you want to get there before noon. So just track that. No, it's every hour you drive before noon mm-hmm. counts for half, but every hour afternoon counts for double. It just seems like time is much shorter before noon. It's a, one of those tricks. That I agree use. with you. Yeah, I, I, and so do the experts. They yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in it. I've tried to pack in the miles before noon because they certainly drag out the later it gets in the day. This may be the holiday period where we finally overcome the pandemic. Up till now, it's, hey, traffic is back, but it's still not to the pre-pandemic levels. This may mm-hmm. be the holiday period where we finally get back to where we were, right? Yeah, I mean, we're expected to be higher than 2019, and, and that makes sense um, that that would that we're finally besting the pandemic um, kind of lower key holidays. But the experts basically when they say when the busiest times are and when the best times to travel are, it's always like before 11, like get there before 11 if you can, because that's when it's going to get busiest. And, you know, I traveled two weekends ago, I guess, um, to Florida and there were definitely lines for TSA so they, the TSA knows that they're going to have a really, they, they expect this to be the busiest season ever. So pack, if, make sure you've got time. If you can use your pre-check, do that. Pack your carry-on. And uh, yeah, because you don't want to deal with lost luggage on top of everything else. And I haven't read it yet, but I think we have a story that says last year, Cleveland was the worst airport in the nation for holiday travel. But we'll have to 
have to see what it says. Yeah, Susan just posted that story. Okay. So, so more more good news for the holiday. So drive, don't fly. Let's stick with you, Laura. Business reporter Sean McDonald took a look at what we can expect for holiday sales this year on a grand scale and locally with a very long shopping season because of the early arrival of Thanksgiving. Are things looking up? Well, not as good as last year, at least in Cleveland and Dayton. Overall, Ohio is going to be spending more, but they say Cleveland and Dayton haven't quite recovered or done as well as the rest of the state, so we're going to spend a little bit less than last year. It's still a whole lot of money. Holiday sales in the Cleveland metro area are forecasted to be $5.48 billion. That's just down 4.4% from last year. I got to say, these experts have not seen my kids' Christmas lists (laughs) yet. (laughs) My son wants a jersey for every pro sport, and my 10-year-old daughter thinks she needs like top-of-the-line designer skincare products. Again, she is 10. I do not understand this trend. That's sad. That's sad that social media or whatever it is has told 10-year-olds that they need to focus on that kind of thing. World is changing. And of course, for the younger crowd, like Layla's youngest daughter, it's all about princess costumes, which is really big all of a sudden. Oh, and they've been big for years. I should just pass her her kid down all the ones my daughter outgrew. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, inflation has cooled. That's good news. But it has eroded purchasing power over the last couple of years. Housing costs are still really up little less room in the budget for holiday spending. I got to say, maybe it's just sanity because it does feel like you, I mean, that billions of dollars, what you could do with it. A lot of times, don't you feel like you open presents? You're like, I didn't even want this. I mean, we should all be thinking about our spending, think about experiences. And um, I, I feel like you shouldn't buy just because you got to put a bow but wait, on wait, aren't you the one that organized the white elephant in the newsroom? I did. I I did. But I, I said it has to be worth 15 to $20. And when a, an editor asked, you know, hey, in my old newsroom, we used to bring something from home that we already had. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. If you don't want it, as long as it's you, you wouldn't be embarrassed giving that to someone else. Like, let's do that. Let's all recycle. All right. You're listening to Today in Ohio. One more. For decades, the most famous holiday light show in Northeast Ohio has been at Neela Park, where GE light engineers always seem to surprise, and it's free. But there's another big light show in Northeast Ohio returning for its eighth year that is so expensive, you might call it gouging. Courtney, what is it? Where is it? And is it worth it? Well, here's some holiday cheer. The magic of light show is back. And uh, yeah, we should definitely talk about the prices there to get in. But let's first start with where it's at. You know, folks are probably familiar out at the Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds. There's been this event, like you said, going on for eight years. You can take your car, load it up with kiddos, drive through, and you get you get quite a show at the fairgrounds. I've never been, but I've always been interested to know what it's like out there. But you can expect, you know, more than 2 million twinkling bulbs going up at the fairgrounds for this season's event. There's everything from prehistoric Christmas lights to 12 days of Christmas lights. There's going to be a 32-foot tall waving Barbie, which I think is very on brand for this year. I'm sure everyone's going to be excited to see her after the blockbuster. You know, there's a Bigfoot monster truck display, Enchanted Tunnel. There's just a whole bunch of stuff you can you can check out. But like you said, expect to pay a little bit money, a little bit of money to get your car load in there. Standard vehicles entry on weekdays, that's costing $23 per car. If you go on the weekends, it's going to be $27. 
And then if that wasn't enough, if you go, if, if you're not buying online in advance, that's what those costs are for. If you buy them at the gate, it costs even more. Monday through Thursday, it's going to cost $30 for a standard vehicle. And Friday to Sunday, it'll be 35 And limos, party buses, and regular buses, hang tight. Those tickets run $50 to $100. It's a lot of money to drive through lights when you can drive through neighborhoods all over Cleveland and see some pretty dramatic displays. I'm not sure what the attraction is. It's a lot of money. And Neela Park is free. Yeah. You can't drive through Neela Park. Although though. one year you could. It was yeah. 2018. They hadn't done it in 50 years. And the line, I sat in that line for two hours waiting to get into Neela Park. But it was totally worth it, though. Oh, good. All right. As we into the holiday, I want to say thank you all for listening. And I am grateful for Laura, for Courtney, for Lisa, for Layla, and for others participate in this podcast it's time to be thankful i'm thankful i get to have a conversation with such smart people every morning and i'm grateful there are so many people that want to listen to that conversation and send us their thoughts about it have a wonderful thanksgiving we'll be back monday <laughs>